<clears throat> and welcome back to the MGo Fish Podcast. I'm your host, as always, David Arnold. With me, as always, Stephen Asentoski. Stephen, we have football to talk about. We have a lot to talk about. If you want to talk football, <laughs> you know, we don't necessarily have to talk football. I'm surprised you're even awake right now. Um, you got to fill in some viewers. On I feel like this should precede football. You you have some big news to share. I have news. I, you I do. don't know what you're talking about, Stephen. <laughs> not quite sure. Something grew in the past couple of days, and it, it, it starts with an F and ends with an Amelie. Yeah. It <laughs> and it is yours. Well, it definitely wasn't my financial portfolio <laughs> or my future financial portfolio because those uh, things definitely took a hit this weekend. That's fair. Yeah. That's I, fair. I had my third daughter. Third. That is awesome. As my voice cracks. Three. Yes. One, two, three. So, you know... You get you get a few chances to get a boy, right? Yeah, and of course I wanted a boy. You know but, what? Uh, you know you got you got three girls. Hey man, it, it's it if it's healthy and it's you know and you're you're happy. That's all that matters, right? In baseball, it's three strikes and you're out. <laughs> um, it's in life, it's three strikes and you're snipped. Right? That's <laughs> how it kind of goes there. Uh, well, that's great. That's great, though, man. Congratulations. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm very happy. Annie, Annie Arnold. Annie uh, Arnold. Annie Arnold joins Ellie. And, there you uh, go. Zoe. Yeah. The other, the other one, the other girls are are taking it okay. I oh, saw you yeah. posted a tweet, <laughs> a zoomed in face of like, oh no, there's another one. <laughs> two year old, two year old, still warming up to the idea. Sure. Uh, her first words. When when told to go to the baby was, no baby, no baby. <laughs> so, uh, so so slow to warm up the the older one though. She's like a mom at this point, right? Like yeah. she's she's six. She held the baby for like an hour today happily. Oh, man. I was like, That's all right, adorable. now we just gotta get her changing diapers. Right. And kind of outsourced all of my all of my growing pains with the baby. Yep. See, that's good, Start. man. Start now. She'll get diapers soon, and then full on babysitting at a certain point. You know, you're you're on your way. (laughs) Ten years until she can drive the other kids everywhere. Exactly. Yeah, I'm officially old. Like I've officially crossed into the threshold there, (laughs) especially three. That's just it's a whole other level of of. (laughs) It's a good number. My my entire life is now revolved around. (laughs) Yeah, serving serving all the women in the household. That's fair. That's yep. fair. So but, anyways, so I need I need things like Michigan football. I was just about to say. I, I need <laughs> them in my life. And really, I need them to perform well so I can have something to hold on to. I was going to say, you need the release of like, oh, here's some Michigan football, something relaxing, something fun. And then uh, and then Saturday happened. Then I decided to be a Michigan football fan. Yeah. First mistake. And- <laughs> There's has any Does any other football program... I mean, there there are Tennessee. the tennis, there are the Tennessees of the world, <laughs> where like your life is just constant sorrow and misery, just constant, oh, just constant. It, it hasn't been. You're being a bit unfair. I would yeah. Say. Okay. Okay. So, okay. But, can I say? Can I say sorrow and misery? I do take that back. Yeah. I'm thinking big picture with the, the Ohio State exactly. season wide. Yes, yes. I, you're right. I shouldn't say sorrow and misery. Gut the beginning it. of the season, all you want to do is play the cupcakes and you want to celebrate. You want to celebrate. Yep. So I think about a couple years ago when we played, um, you know, we played UCF and we played Hawaii and yeah. those games where it's like, you know, 60 to you know, 3, 60 to 7, whatever. And the entire team plays. Chris Evan plays as a true freshman and yeah. he breaks a few ankles and has fun. That's what you want to see. You want to see, you want to be Ohio State, who's up 28 right. to nothing after, you know, four possessions. And then yep. they can just coast the rest of the game in. Yep. Yet we're here. Uh, although I have to say, Stephen, watching the watching the Army play football is yeah. fun. Like what, watching the triple option is fun when you're not playing against them. When you're when you're exactly. not the team playing against them. So I understand why the entire nation was watching uh, as the largest, most annoying online fan base bit, <laughs> bit their fingernails. And I and I love Michigan. Oh yeah. But we definitely have the largest and most annoying fan base. Um, yeah, it, in, it was, I love it. Was it. Stressful, it, was, it was stressful, man. It was stressful. So, what are your takeaways, man? What were your initial before we deep dive into the positional yeah. groups? Where were you when we almost lost to the team that had the same colors as Appalachian State? 
Yeah, I was just sitting in sitting in my apartment. I've been taking uh, whenever I'm home watching the games. I take notes of every single play. I take notes of the distance, what the play was, and whether it's one that's a good potential for analysis. Cuts down my uh, replay watch, my second watch, quite a bit because then I don't have to take any notes. I know which ones I'm interested in, uh, whatnot. So I was taking notes. And it was hilarious watching Army because it was just like every time Army had the ball, it was like fullback dive, three yards. And then I would like mark it either like review or not. And it's just meh. Like every, <laughs> like my notes is just meh because it's just like three yards. Like that's what they want. But it's three yards. Like it's fine. Like it's so that was like literally half my notes is just Army, fullback dive, three yards, meh. So it was so frustrating. But uh, but man, you're right. It, it's so interesting watching them because they run it so well, like so frustratingly well that you just are watching and just like, yeah, like these guys are good. And they were good on defense. Like their secondary, there was not a whole lot of uh, separation for wide receivers. We'll cover that later. But yeah, just a frustrating day. Um, and, you know, you, you like you said, there's a lot of hot takes out there. Um, so obviously you have to deal with those. Which I'm ready. You know what? You know I I try to very much not be a hot take person. <laughs> you I, had some. I try hot to take. be reserved. I try to be very reserved, and I I definitely do not lose it on it uh, often when it comes to yeah. being a hot takey. That army game, I have some some hot takes that I'm I'm pretty passionate about. I think now. I think and, yeah. and we'll get into that. So so okay. Yeah. Okay, actually, let's start with the hot takes, and then, and then yeah, we'll get, we'll into, get into everything else. Stephen, what hot? Do you have any hot takes? Anything that you would like to to get off your chest? That like maybe you might want to take back in like a week or two, but but that right now you're feeling very passionately about for this game. Or are you just trying um, to stay neutral? No, I think my hottest take is probably that. Uh, the offense is inexcusable for a reason I cannot describe. It's either that they're purposefully limiting it to either keep players healthy or not put adjustments on film or that it's strictly the player's execution at the quarterback position and they're not willing to switch it for whatever reason. Either way, it's inexcusable, and they almost lost a game because of it. So that's like a hot take where usually I'm like supportive of the team. I understand where they're coming from and, and why they're doing things the way they are. I don't see it, man. Like I, I don't. And we can get into more of like the analysis parts of, of each part that generated this sort of hot take. But like I'm kind of with people now where I don't think it's all on – the coaching staff, I don't think it's all on the players. It's a mix. But either way, there are steps that could have been taken to make that game more than what it was or less stressful than what it was. And uh, the decisions don't make sense on both fronts, coaching and execution from the players. So that's my hot take. A little bit less, uh, I would say, scorching hot than yours. But l- let me hear yours because I saw them on Twitter. I want you to to voice them here with, with authority. I, I want – I have the anger of a of – a, I don't know. For me, of a, like a high school basketball coach watching his team not run the defense. They practice all – you know, they, they ran the 2-3. They've been practicing it all preseason. And the first – you know, the first game comes and the team is supposed to be on a 2-3 and they – Go man to man without the coach telling them. Yeah, uh, the anger you'd have at the end of the game, where you know you're going to run those players to death for the next week for not listening to you. I mean, th- that kind of like insubordination. Watching Michigan's offense is a tantalizing because the the pieces are there, and the coaching skill is there. I think, and the play calling skill is there uh, uh, for this to be a very productive and prolific offense. You've got a fourth-year quarterback. You've got three NFL wide receivers at least. Uh, of course, DPJ is hurt, but still, if you have two NFL wide receivers, that's you know more than enough to to be productive. Um, you've got Mike Hart, but NFL-sized Mike Hart, which in 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 Zach Charbonnet, which we will talk about later because that's yep. he is the shining star of yes. all the bright spots right now. Um, and then an offensive line who I'm not very high on. However, 
this offense should be able to to hide deficiencies on the offensive line to a certain degree. There, there are a few different things. A, Josh Gaddis, first off, I don't ever want to hear Josh Gaddis speak trash in any capacity ever again until the Michigan offense is like actually rolling. Because this Mike Loxley, Josh Gaddis thing is about to get us beat when we play Maryland this year. Oh man! I mean, I mean, if you see Mike Lossley right now and the the Maryland offense with Josh Jackson, they're rolling. They scored what sixty three points on Syracuse this past weekend. They beat him sixty three yeah. to twenty. Mike I mean, they, they look impressive. Mike Lossley has is having no problems right now as a head coach, and this whole drama, you know, Mike Lossley probably took it a step too far. But Gaddis is, was happily poking the bear this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to. I just don't want to hear anything from him until his offense like steps up. Because as a first time play caller, he is reminding me of Al Borges in every single way. I mean, I mean, Al Borges is the only thing I can think of. Where, where he had this reputation of like having a decent offense, but also he would very much make it known that he was saving plays for the big games, and he was open about it. Um, having people like Shea Patterson purposely, you know on option reads, hand the ball off to the running back every single play. Seems like a move maybe to like hold back on showing everything. But when you're when you're in a tight game and you're not winning at halftime against the Army, you have to start breaking stuff out. And it, you have to start doing it. And I think Loxley is making a lot of play calls right now. A lot of decisions in general, personnel decisions, play call decisions, that are way too cute for the moment. He's thinking about yeah. the impact of future games, of future player personalities you know you know when Shea Patterson fumbled that ball on the first drive of the game that was that was so inexcusable I mean like yeah. so beyond inexcusable second fumble whatever don't care about we, we you can chalk that up to not you know not his fault but then again the intentional grounding at the end of the first half two drives to to cap you know to start and cap the, the half were both right. were both ended by true freshman mistakes by a fourth year starting quarterback that that should be enough when you're losing to yank him and be like, this is not good enough. We need to have you out of this game. If you're too hurt to be productive, we need to put the backup in. Right. If you're too mentally shaken up to be making proper decisions, we need to put the backup in. Even if it's yeah. for a drive, even if it's for a quarter, you have to make that statement. And they're not doing it because I think Josh Gaddis is afraid of drama. I think he heard. I think he heard all the media chatter from the past week about Dylan McCaffrey. And so he's doubled down on the effort to leave Shea Patterson in the game, despite the fact he's obviously too hurt. You know, they don't want him running too much, uh, or they're just not adjusting to the fact that Army was baiting them into handing the running back the ball in, in, yeah. into, into eight, nine-man boxes. Right. Something, something's off, and I think it all boils down to Josh Gass as a first-time play caller being too cute, being too cute, not, you know, thinking he's a genius or wanting to leave his mark. We saw it with the Middle Tennessee State game with the two quarterback plays that were clearly like plays he like made up himself and just like did not work. Right? So so mm-hmm. I'm angry at Josh Gaddis above everything else. And we can get to the rest. I don't think we should fire Josh Gaddis. Like like no. but I think he should be on the hot seat. Like seriously on the hot seat from Jim Harbaugh being like like what the hell are you doing right now, Josh? Like th- this yeah. is n- this is not good enough. None of this is good enough. And it all boils yeah. down to Josh Gass and Shea Patterson. That's where my yeah. anger lies. That's where my frustration lies. I hope I was able to kind of spell that out in, in a coherent, cogent way. No, um, you did. I think – so real quick, the two quarterback frippery stuff we saw last week, after analysis, the plays themselves were actually there. And it was more on a missed block – one was on Hayes on the screen pass to McCaffrey. He didn't get out in time. The other one, I think, was a miss from Unwenu, uh on uh, the read with the fake to McCaffrey. So they were the same action in the play. One was just a give to Turner. One was a screen to McCaffrey. Plays were there. I agree that it doesn't really make sense to have McCaffrey there in that situation versus like a Ronnie Bell, Tariq Black. They could very well have done the same thing that McCaffrey did. Right. Although the plays were there, it was just a – a I think, miss, a, miss and, of execution, and that's from, why I think that's yeah. why I think Josh Gaz is trying to be too cute and trying to leave his mark because he knows, you know, he's been he's been built up as a savior, 
you know, the golden child coming in to rescue Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. And he knows if Michigan makes a Rose Bowl and wins this year, if they beat Ohio State and make the playoff, some level of that, or being Ohio State, combination of being Ohio State, winning the Big Ten, et cetera, et cetera, he's going to have a P5 head coaching job next year. No, not yet. Not yet. Uh, not, he, after, not after one year. Uh, yes, after one year. Who? He's the hottest assistant. He's coming. He's made all of this noise. He has, he has um, James Franklin-esque you know, hype. He's created this hype for himself as, a, as an offensive genius. Joe Moorhead is another example of someone who came in. I mean, he was the head coach at Murray State first uh, and then went to Penn State as an offense coordinator. Gaddis could easily get a, a lower P5 job there's Next a big year. difference. Yeah, that's fair. He he might be able to go to like like I'm talking about like a Vanderbilt level school. It would have to be like a uh, like a Mac level maybe. I oh I mean okay. There's also a difference between the Mac and the uh, Conference USA slash uh, yeah. the the you know the WAC and whatever the West Mountain West. Sure. G- Gaddis, I could see Gaddis at like a Boise State, for example. I, you know, mm. I I genuinely think he was on track to be the hottest assistant coach this offseason. In, in the same way of like a Tom Herman. Well, Tom Herman ended up at Texas. But Josh Gaddis was on, is on the same track right now. I mean... It'll it'll take a couple of years before he gets a big major offer. Well, I, think a, I think a lot of offensive coordinators could take a job at a smaller... like a smaller power five school but i don't think that's like what his aspirations are anyways so so take those two plays where the two quarterback situation right those were poorly executed from offensive linemen of michigan the plays themselves were there it only got a lot of attention because they didn't turn into big plays they turn into big plays it's like well that's kind of cute but hey they worked so when they fail you look at why the hell do you have two quarterbacks out there, right? It's not focused on why the actual play failed. It's you had two quarterbacks out there and the play failed. That was stupid. So it makes sense. And then, like, I get the frustration with with Gaddis in this game. They still picked up 340 yards on the game. That's that's not bad. They had three fumbles. How much of that is actually coaching? Like, I, I agree that it's, it's disappointing from Shea Patterson to have that first fumble that was – absolutely his fault where he just gets sacked and then just lets go of the ball. That's inexcusable. You can't have that. Um, as like you said, a, a senior quarterback, yes, he's only had two, two years in the system now, but even so inexcusable for that. The other one was just a missed blitz pickup from Turner as Patterson was loading up to pass. No, so again, but, but don't, don't group, don't group those two in together. When you're talking about Shay's mistakes, like it should be, you should group, the first fumble and the intentional grounding together and just skip oh, the absolutely. second fumble. But I mean like I mean like don't my, make my point my point yeah, is three ahead. three fumbles from an offense and nothing's going to look good against army where every possession matters. In my video preview, I said limit the offensive mistakes or you're in trouble. Three lost fumbles and you are absolutely in trouble and the focus is going to be on the offense. You give the you give the ball away three times and nothing's going to look good. Add in some more mistakes from Patterson, like that botched, uh, you know, that intentional grounding was huge. He had some misses again to Ronnie Bell. He had a throw to Tariq Black that stood out that was just outside of his grasp. There were so many plays that could have instantly turned this into a regulation win by 14 points or so. And then you add on top of the couple kind of baffling calls on fourth and two. So like, I think the execution of the players outweighs a lot of the coaching decisions, but any sort of missed coaching decisions are amplified by a thousand given those execution decisions. Yeah, and let me let me counter slash agree with you. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, it's the best time of the year. College football season, NFL season, it's all here. Fall is here. Uh, and one thing we like to do to keep things interesting around here is to Put money down on who we think are going to be the big winners each weekend. Uh, and when I like to do that with my friends, I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I go to mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. It's that simple, it's that easy. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code MGO to activate the offer. That's promo code MGO. 
MGO to activate the offer. Join now at mybookie.ag and they will double your first deposit. You play, you win, you get paid. Now, on to the show. The execution, obviously, unacceptable and to a level that is not the coach's fault, right? The fumbles, <laughs> Shay's, like, Shay's regression to true freshman, like, mistakes, unacceptable in every way. Um, and he was good last year. This is a new thing this year. Michigan yeah. lost three three fumbles total last year. So, so those things are not specifically on the coaches. You know, maybe mm-hmm. make it more of an emphasis, whatever. But add with that, Josh Gaddis's. Uh, you know, okay, a the the short yardage situations. Those are terrible play calls. If you're going to run the Josh yes. Gaddis system and you're going to fail that often. Give me the Jim Harbaugh plays. Give me the fullback, you know, hammer pandas up the middle plays. Because this, I mean, like, you can execute whatever you want to execute. When you're on the one-yard line, you know, or a fourth and one or a fourth and two, and you go for it, you have to give your fullback running back a head of steam. If If his first step is lateral or they snap the ball and he has to wait and not gain any momentum right at the snap... You're asking for failure when they run. When you run any short yardage plays out of the shotgun, you're totally killing your running back's natural advantage to know what's happening and getting a head start on everyone. And that's why the hammer panda worked so well. That's why Ben Mason worked so well. Because and that's why the you know the army fullback dive up the middle works so well. It's because when you only need one yard, you get a guy who's 250, 260, and he has so much weight and so much momentum. It's literally almost impossible. Almost yeah. impossible to stop him from at least getting a half a yard, let alone, right. you know, and then, you know, a yard is almost just as likely. Um, anything short of that is just is just poor execution. And this is where I think A, Josh Gass was getting too cute. And then also, I think as a first time play caller, and Mike Loxley maybe correctly called this out in their little, in their little feud, it's a lot different when you're actually the person making the calls. It's true. And I, I do not think Jim Harbaugh was making any of the calls in that game. I, I know yeah. some people claim he was. I don't. I think Josh Gass would quit if that was the case. In the fourth quarter, Michigan decided to just run the ball over and over like they didn't trust Shea. They didn't trust Shea to run the ball. They didn't trust Shea to pass the ball. It's like they said, Shea, we're, gonna, we're killing the option. It's going to look like an option if you just hand off. And they ran the same run play. Like, how many times in a row in that fourth quarter? Yeah. And it's just like, why are we doing this? Why are we banging our heads up against the wall when we're facing Army, who has not even two-star athletes? You know yeah. those those guys. You know they beat um, they beat uh, Rice the week Rice. before, and yeah. you know they're talking to Munkin, Jeff Munkin, the head coach, and he said, "Hey, we offered all of these guys on the Rice of roster, Rice? yeah, <laughs> and they offered none of our guys. Yeah. yeah, that tells you the disadvantage, right? You know they said it on a TV broadcast, and that was very." Yep. That's great insight to the program when you hear yeah. stories like that, tidbits like that, because skill position wise, those army guys are not. I mean, like every the, sing- quor- the quarterback is a legit guy, but all the other guys are just every single <laughs> every single wide receiver should look like Randy Moss against those corners. Yeah, every single there's there's literally no excuse not to be passing every down and not to be just totally dominating them every down. So so. We're not we're not using the quarterback as a run threat, and we're calling the same plays over and over again, right into into brick walls. Guess yeah. got too cute, and then he got too tight as a first time play caller. Those I two, think, I think yeah. those two things are very much on Gaddis. And then third, the third criticism I have on of Gaddis with, with a getting too cute, b getting too tight at the end and calling the same call, plays that were not working very well. C. The Shea Patterson thing, this is all conjecture. Yes. This last argument could be totally false. Feels like to me, A, Dylan McCaffrey should have definitely played in the second half more than he did. I mean, I mean, Shea's mistakes are just so inexcusable. That's just a lack of attention to detail, lack of being prepared for the moment. It seems like, you know, he was out at Rick's the night before. That's what it felt like watching that game. Um with those mistakes. If you don't put Dylan McCaffrey in to send a message, like, I don't think you're coaching properly. 
If yeah. and if Dylan McCaffrey was anyone else, if he was John O'Corn, I think they would have done it. I think they were scared to put in a guy when there's already rumors of a quarterback switch. You know, already calls for Dylan McCaffrey to start. You know, if they put him in and he performs better than Shea, you know, the, the kind of drama that happens. I think that's why they held him out. But when you're losing mm. in the second half, I mean, there's there's no reason not to bench Shea for at least a quarter after those mistakes. He cost the team so many points. If he does that against any other competent team, they lose the game. The thing, the thing that's really weird to me, though, is that McCaffrey came in for a couple plays, right? You like one, and, one drive, maybe, yeah, or like yeah, one play. A couple plays, I think, one or two. And you had Patterson go down with some cramps after. And this was the like most frustrating part for me. They had him on a designed, uh, like a QB draw. They had the running back, I think it was Turner, go in. Or no, it was Charbonnet. Go out in motion out uh, to his right. And then he took a QB keeper out to the left. And that threw away the theory that they were keeping him from running just for like his health, right? Because you don't call a quarterback keep like draw play if you're purposefully not trying to run him and telling him to give on all the reads that threw that out for me but then again and and my buddy kyle jonas uh, i'll give him a shout out at k jonas three i think is his uh, twitter handle he pointed out on one of these arc reads that i was reviewing that i was tweeting about um so it was an arc read right so eubanks is coming across the formation he is skipping the defensive end. He's looking for the linebacker on the edge with potential of a keep. And he gets around the edge and he doesn't even go for any sort of block around the edge. He knew that that whatever this read that Patterson was doing was going to result in a give. So then it's like, okay, you're not holding him out because of injury, because you're calling QB keepers like legit QB draw plays. And then on these arc read plays, you are always giving and you're telling they had to be telling him to give because I do not believe that they would call him to do a QB draw and not tell him to play the read. Like, it just doesn't make sense. They're holding back for film. That's that's what I'm like. That's which if when you're potential after thing. the first quarter, when you're losing. Yeah. There's no more holding back. There's yeah. no more. We should have lost this game, and I, and, and, I, I was prepared to lose this game. Yeah, I was prepared. Yeah, I, I was, I was okay. I was at some point on some level. I was okay with it because of how terribly yeah executed. Michigan didn't. We did not deserve to win that game. on every level. The coaching did not. I mean, like I haven't felt this much contempt for coaching since since like Brady Hoke started. You know, played Shea yeah. Patterson or. Shane Morris threw the concussion in Minnesota. Yeah, that I mean, was. I mean, just like the inc- if it felt like pure incompetence from the yeah. offensive coaching staff, and I haven't felt that in a long time, a yeah. long, long time. Say what you want about Jim Harbaugh's offenses, and that they could turn predictable. They were boring. You know, they were too basic. They're easy to defend against by elite athletes because of how basic they were. Against teams like this, they've never had a problem. Because, no. because Jim Harbaugh knew how to execute with better talent. If they have better talent, you knew Michigan was going to win and dominate the game. That happened time and time again. He brought Josh Gaddis in to be the X factor for when Michigan plays against better talent like Ohio State. So that's it's very possible that could still happen. But if you're going to hold stuff back, that just shows to me you don't. It shows me you don't think your offense is good enough to survive without trickery. You know, like there, there's something to be said about the fact that that Gaddis decided to be so vanilla against Army that they they struggled in the way, and they didn't necessarily struggle when when they were not fumbling the ball, they were moving the ball downfield. Right. However, when it came down to you know we need points on the board right here, they became so conservative. Yeah. On on an Al Borges type level, not not on a Jim Harbaugh type level, it, it was yeah. that's what really disturbed me. It was just the lack of innovation or ingenuity or anything. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. Anyways, go and, ahead. And I've been very critical of the whole like, you know, bring in McCaffrey crowd. I started to understand it a bit, but then when they did bring him in for a couple plays, there was such an obvious play that I've teed up for analysis 
that was so clearly a keep that McCaffrey gave the ball away. And at that point, I was just like, they're just telling him to just hand it off to Charbonnet and just have him be the workhorse here. They are not giving the full freedom because the, the odds of both Patterson, who is generally – I mean, he struggled a little bit last year, but not to this level. Yeah. To, to have both him and McCaffrey, who's been decent at reads this year, to have them both have such obvious crash downs from defensive ends in – in some scenarios, not every scenario, but in some scenarios, and have them both read them so incorrectly, so consistently throughout a game, it's it's mind-boggling, and and it's either it's either the players are just that like poorly coached into it, which I can't believe, or the staff is holding back, which is again, like you said, just insanely frustrating to to just be executing that way and to be progressing that way and it almost cost him a game i'm i'm fine either holding, way yeah, either I'm, way it almost cost him a game i'm fine holding back if you know for winning you know against sisters of the poor but when we're losing against the army it's a totally different yeah, story right i'm with you so like my complaints about the coaching staff aren't necessarily directly related to my complaints with shea patterson i don't think sure because i do you know when, when the when gaddis was calling you know he did call a lot of good play. He called a half decent game. You know, half the time he was calling great drives. Like half those plays were were dynamic. And when Shea was playing well, he was playing dynamic in that offense. Right? You look at yeah. Shea's stat line, and it looks good. It looks great the first right. two games. So so when Shea and Gaddis are on the same page, you know they look great together. But Gaddis, I think, is getting too cute because it's first time play calling, and then he got too tight because it was a close game and first time play calling. Those are those are my two thoughts. Shea, it looks like Shea came into this season not as sharp as he should have been. There, there, something is there. It, it just doesn't look like he came prepared mentally. He's executing the plays, but like to to be that reckless with the ball is all yeah, mental. It's, it's, the intent It's weird, man. The intentional it, grounding is the, and I will drop it and we'll move on to the next thing. But the intentional grounding specifically even more than that first fumble made me so angry. I mean, like I just angry as a football fan, as a fan yeah. of Michigan because it's just so inexcusable to just take yep. your team out of out of field position like that. I mean, just like I don't trust him in big moments right now. Yeah. I just don't. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you. All right, we got we got to speed through the rest of this, man. <laughs> Let's talk about other other people, or else I'll keep getting mad. <laughs> Charbonnet, Charbonnet was phenomenal, man. Yeah, and he's oh, he's become man. yeah, he is. He is so great. Tell me, tell me, talk to me. Steve. Yeah, I mean, he had a ton of carries, only hundred yards on like thirty carries or so, so not best yards per carry, but he had to produce quite a few of those yards. Um, thirty three carries, hundred yards, but three touchdowns. I think it was. The first running back with three touchdowns and 100 yards as a freshman since Mike Hart. So, I mean, he he looks the part again. I, all the pass protection plays that he was in there, he's clearly the best uh, healthy pass protector right now. True Wilson was not dressed for the game, so you know if he can pass protect, if he can hold up for 33 carries per game, uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be for sure the guy. And, and I think he already is. So you that's know, that's so huge for this year. With the emergence of the of the freshmen and I guess sophomores on some level that played in the Middle Tennessee State game and how many of them played so well and dynamic, I had the thought, you know, with how young McCaffrey is, with how and how much these young guys are getting playing playtime, I was like, man, this feels like it could be like a transition year. If we didn't already expect this to be the year we would almost say, hey, this looks like your transition year because of how much young talent is just here and just is playing and just looks so explosive. It just looks like the potential is there, but they're so raw, you just never know with the young, young guys. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Charbonnet genuinely reminds me of Mike Hart every time he touches the ball. I mean, I mean, the way he chops his feet, his feet are always running they're always there he's always looking to gain a yard or two extra and he just keeps them chopping the entire time he you know his pass protection just reminds me my cart was so small he could just get up and under those guys and just chip yeah. them chip blocks charbonnet is big enough where he can just kind of stand in front of them and chip them um but he reads all the those plays so well 
I just I haven't felt this comfortable watching a running back with the ball since my cart. And it was because of the chopping of the feet. He just looked like he was always going forward at all times, no matter what. And not recklessly going forward, just just like kind of moving forward. Yeah. W- with he, some type of inertia. Right. For him to look that comfortable and then like you said, it, it felt like I haven't seen him like fall backwards. Like he's yeah. always picking up an extra yard. That's so valuable. It, it's and it's very Mike Hart esque. You know, and if, yeah. if Mike Hart had four four speed, you know, if he if he was six foot, I don't know how tall Charbonnet is, is necessarily, but he looks big. He's a big guy. He's like six two, six yeah. one, six two. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, he has like he has star potential written all over. Yeah, him, right? like like he. I mean, you can just tell he is he's a future All American. Like like three years and out type of guy. Like he he's yep. you know Ohio State had Zeke a few years ago. That's the type of level player we're talking about. With Charbonnet. I genuinely think he is. I mean I mean Zeke is on a different plane. Like comparing physically, but um, but just when it comes to NFL potential and star potential, Charbonnet has it right. Yeah. I mean I mean he just does. Yep. He's the future of their running back position and. Uh... Yeah, huge, huge for Michigan we're, to have an established We're already guy. giving him, what, 20? He had 20 or 30 carries. Is it? He had 33 carries. 33, 33 carries? That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. For Doug, that workload and for him to look that consistent, that comfortable all game is, like, that's senior. He looked like a senior out there. And, that's and everyone why, kept, kept saying it on the broadcast, and I'm like, yeah. Like, he just looks experienced. He looks so comfortable. terrifying to me for the rest of the season that, with all of our skill matchups and mismatches, we decided to hand the ball off to Zach Charbonnet 33 times. I know. I'm worried about his health. That's the number one thing. Just well, keep him healthy. Keep him healthy. What are we doing when we have Nico Collins, who who Michael Spade, no, um, one of the one of the recruiting experts compared him to uh, Nico Collins to Braylon Edwards. And for the, oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't real I I had never put that together until the Army game, and then I was like, oh man. He is starting to play like Braylon Edwards. He genuinely yeah. is starting to play like Braylon Edwards. I think he only got two targets that game, and that's a good transition to the wide receiver group. But he only had two two catches, and I think those were his only two targets. And that's a uh, that's pretty that's pretty nuts considering between like him and Black, and obviously you have DPJ out. But for Treek Black and Collins to only get a combined five catches, there was one more target to Black. I think the incompletion on a, a bit outstretched throw there. But for them to only get like six, maybe seven, if I'm forgetting one, combined targets that entire game against Army, man, that's. But anyways, let's talk. Yeah. What are we gonna, okay. What, well, Ronnie Bell, my my yeah, my pick for breakout player of the year. He's just a baller, and I just—he's just a play. He's—he's he's a dude, right? He's a dude that gets open enough to the where the quarterback thinks he has to pass him the ball. He is clearly raw as heck, right? Like you can just tell the way he the way he plays, the way he runs with the ball. Um, you you know there are just plays where he just doesn't quite make the play when maybe he should. I think Shea Harrison overthrew him on a wheel route. Um, I think it was a wheel route. It, it's yeah. it must have been a wheel route with how open and kind of how it looked. Open. Um, and Shea overthrew him a little bit, but mate, I almost thought it was one of those things where you're so open or like you're a center fielder in baseball and you can't quite gauge where the ball is. So like, as soon as you turn your head to look for the ball, you're maybe not going at full speed where a professional wide receiver or a top wide receiver, you know, even when he's turning his head to look for the ball, he's going at full speed. I don't know if Shea genuinely overthrew him. My hunch is that, is that Ronnie Bell maybe slowed down for just a hair to locate the ball and once he located the ball it was just a little past him that that's my hunch but it seems like ronnie bell is very close to making so many explosive plays yeah, yeah. so many explosive right about plays. that there's been so many this is like the third or fourth game or third or fourth throw the one that you're talking about that was just on his fingertips and a lot of people have been throwing a lot of shade at Ronnie Bell saying like, you got to come up with those, those balls or whatever. And that's fair. It could be that maybe he's not, you know, not judging it properly. I think the throws are just a bit far in front of him. Like I think Patterson's just a bit overthrowing him. We saw again, similar thing with Tariq Black. There's a pass in the flat, same exact sort of thing. A lack of sharpness from Shea, which I mean, it's millimeters, you know, like that comes with a little bit more, experience and a little bit more comfortability and if patterson's you know working through an injury his ribs whatever but man poor ronnie bell has had 
by far the most of those passes that are right there on wide open plays that just couldn't convert. But yeah, seven yards, 80 or sorry, seven receptions, 81 yards, um, including that really big, uh, I think third down pickup. Um, I don't know if it was an overtime, but it was a really nice throw over, over the middle that was slightly behind Ronnie Bell. And he, he showed off his, his vertical leap there to make a really acrobatic catch and a, a big first down. So I'm, I'm happy for Ronnie Bell, man. You're, I think it's a great pick for uh, that you made about him being a break, breakout player. He flashed it last year, and then he's got a, you know, this is this was a big game for him, and then, uh, you know, it's starting to come to fruition, all of the fall camp talk that we were hearing about him. Uh, can, can I say one thing? When are we going to start getting Giles Jackson the ball? Yeah, when, man. When, he because dynamic. He, watching him return kicks – He's going to break one. He Oh, like so easily he's going to break one. We're, we're like, a lot of returners we've had are just straight line guys. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't think Jabril Peppers necessarily had the shiftiness that we wanted him to. Um, and and cetera, He was shifty, man. He was shifty. Uh, yeah. Uh, can, can, I say shift, can I say shifty but not like agile? Giles, regardless, Giles Jackson is like elite at like, every single movement you want to have with the ball. Sure. Right? Like he he dodges and weaves and just kind of dances around while going forward. He really, really is going to be yeah. something special. I mean, like, seriously, like, seriously special. Yeah. Yeah. Pe- Peppers looked like a running back in terms of his, like, agility, like elite running back agility. Giles Jackson looks like a returner, like a like what you expect, like a Devin Hester. I'm not saying Jackson. Dante like Hall. Like, like yeah, da- but like yeah. that level, like he, he looks he looks like the guy who should be returning kickoffs, which he's currently doing, and punts. Punts are harder because, you know, you, you don't have all the space to, to catch the ball, and, and there's a lot more pressure on punt returns, so he, he must not be ready there. But I want to see him, man. I yeah, want to see I, him in I as do. many return possibilities. I worry about his ball security with the yeah, punts, exactly. uh, which, which maybe is a reason why we won't get to see him on those. And plus, DPJ has proven pretty confident exactly. yep, once he exactly. comes back. Um, Tariq Black looked good with the, with the catches that he had. You know, Sean, Sean McKeon, it seems like if he was in any other offense in the nation, he would be targeted way more. I mean, and I'm not blaming anyone in the system, but like he, and, and maybe it's product of the system, but he has looked really good with the limited mm-hmm. amount of catches he's had. Yeah, he had two catches for 35 yards, um, but they're all long plays. You know, they're finding the seam and, and he's there and he's making a great catch. He's, he's a good looking athlete. I mean, like yep. an NFL caliber athlete. Um, yep. We just, you just got, I just want to see more shots, man. You you take a shot to Collins or Black, and, and you're telling me they're not going to come up with the ball. We have so many 70, athletes. Seventy percent of the time, yeah. We have so. I just want to see it more. We have so many and, and, NFL caliber athletes. Yeah, I just want to see it more, man. It, it it seems like there's there's a cap there's a cap on the offense, and it, it's felt that way for a while, seemingly. You know, that's just like just open it up. It's frustrating watching some other offenses, like Texas LSU and LSU. Just see, yeah. yeah, you just see how fast they get the ball out and how similar those guys look to like a Tariq Black or Nico Collins. It's like that could be Nico Collins going up for this pass. I mean, he's 6'4". Like how how often if you throw it up to him, is he not going to come down with the ball? So Things things feel unnecessarily clunky right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, man, it just looks so simple for other programs. And you can see the potential for it to look easy for Michigan. It's just not there yet. But I mean, it's early. It's Army, I guess. I don't. I don't know. There's there's so many questions and and not a whole lot of answers. Yeah, yet. you know what though? You're supposed to at least, even if they're false answers. That's true. The first few weeks of the season, you're supposed to get, you know, some clarity mm-hmm. and, and some comfortability. This is what happens when when you don't play well the first few weeks of the season, and then you go into Wisconsin. People aren't going to be excited. Like people are going to be doubting more than than not, it, especially at a place like Michigan. You know, any of the top blue bloods. If you struggle like this, you're going to be hearing about it for the next few weeks, and it's just part of the pressure. It's part of the job that comes with it. And I do wonder. Like I, I'm just I'm I'm ready for this constant game. I wish we didn't yeah. have a bye week. I wish we didn't have a bye week, man. I'm I, really happy because all we're going to hear is how disappointed people are <laughs> with the team. That's true. And it's going to give them so much fuel into this next game and a lot of time to to like, I don't know. There, there's lots to review, I feel like, for the offense. If there's any like sort of reads to figure out, it feels like good timing. Let, let me tell you, yeah. I, 
I'm very much don't think fans play any type of role in the team's preparation at all. No. Ever, almost ever. But I will say, I, I think there's something to be said for when a team comes in with the expectations like Michigan has had this year and plays this poorly, and there's a sense where the fans are booing at halftime, et cetera, et cetera. There, there is the rare occasion when the booing is, is something that can be positively motivating. Oftentimes, I don't think booing can be motivating, and often I think it just hurts the morale of the team. Yep. I do think this might be one of the rare circumstances where the team knows that what they're doing is not good enough, that they're not living up to the, the potential. Right. And the fans are genuinely not angry at the team, but disappointed in the team. This feels to me more like the fan base is disappointed and that the players know that the fans are disappointed and almost feel that disappointment themselves. And in oh, a yeah. way, I think can be a positive motivating thing. Because I yeah, think there's, it, some, there's frustration. Some, there's it's something frustration to be said for for you know being called out by your best friend when you're not when you're not living up to their standards and they call you out and like do better, man. Like you should be doing better. And then you you know you internalize it. You say yeah, I should be doing better, and you do better. Right, so yep. I think there is something to be said for that, uh, yep. where I wasn't against the booing at halftime, which I am like ninety nine percent of the time against booing. Yeah, I I was yeah. I wasn't against it this this weekend. I just I felt like they were just not performing at a level that everyone yep. knows they should be performing at. Right? Yep, I understood it. I I I was, you know, booing. I think is tough, but I totally understood. I didn't blame the fans. You know, yeah, yeah I didn't blame them. In one bit, and yep. yeah, and I'm not going to get too deep on it, but I will say I was firmly in the, haha, lol. We should not ever talk about this quarterback controversy thing ever again the rest of the season. Just enjoy having two really good, high quality quarterbacks. Yep. At the end of Saturday, I was like, well, you know, maybe we need to light a fire. You know, maybe fires need to be lit under people's, you know, butts on the entire team. You know, no one spot should be secure for the next right. two weeks. Just right. point blank. You know. Meritocracy, let the best player win the spot. Definitely. Um, yeah. Also, one scary thing, though. You know what two weeks does, Stephen? I don't know. It gives enough time for Jim Harbaugh to reinstall his offense. Get out. <laughs> I'm going to log off right now. I'm shutting off my no? computer. Okay. Get yeah. out of here. All right, well, when we, we see them line up three deep, when the, when the, when the choo-choo train formation comes Get into out. town. No. It's not gonna happen. I kid, I kid. This is a dream or a nightmare. No, it's not a dream. Depending on who you be, ask, it would be a nightmare. I think it would yes. be a nightmare for everyone. Yes. Um, okay, we're forty-five minutes in. We haven't talked about the defense. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet on my opinion. Then I'll ask for yours. Yes. The defense played perfectly competent. Perfectly mm-hmm. competent. I am. I am terrified of the defensive tackle depth. I think if we play quality teams. I think Wisconsin has a very real chance of running for 200, 250 yards on Michigan's defensive line in two weeks. I think that's very legitimate. At the same time, I also think the defense is good enough to hold Wisconsin to like under 21 points, which would be a total win two weeks from now. I think the defense overall as a, as a unit is very good. Top 25, but not top 15. And also, I think there are weaknesses that can be exploited for to make Michigan's day a living hell. But I think they played perfectly good against Army. N- nothing was their fault necessarily, yeah. Um, for how close that game was, right? And then they yeah. they saved the day also, and they they right. should have scored a touchdown. Should have scored a touchdown. Josh Metellus definitely scored and should have been able to celebrate. Which whatever. Anyways, yeah. okay, your opinion, Stephen. Yep, pretty pretty close. I mean, for 243 yards, which included two overtime periods for Army, like 243 yards, that's one of the lowest outputs. I think it's since 2017. They haven't had that few yards uh, in a game, and that's including, like I said, the two overtime periods. Um, so that's perfectly fine. Like you said, that's 3.3 yards per rush. That's generally what Army is looking for, but... Um, you know, they did just enough. The 14 points they gave up in regulation were off of turnovers. So when they weren't set up in tough positions, they were doing their job. Uh, the time of possession was only 31 and change to Army versus 28 and a half to Michigan. That shows the defense did a good enough job of limiting Army's possessions. So, you know, you look at the third down efficiency and fourth down efficiency. Yes, they were three for three. 
Army was in fourth downs, um, but five for 16 on third downs. So they were forcing third downs quite a bit, like 16 third downs is, is a lot. And to, to shut them down half the time, you know, taking those fourth downs into account, that's huge. That's really big. So like you said, perfectly acceptable. I want to see more from the defensive line. You mentioned the depth is really scary. This is why the bye week is very welcoming to me. You need Donovan Jeter. You need to for. If those guys aren't healthy throughout the rest of the year, you're looking at a couple losses, and I don't think that's being dramatic at all. You need, you need interior guys. And besides Uche, I don't see the playmaking ability too much out of pay. Yes, he made – the initial contact at the end of the play against Army. I don't see the consistent playmaking ability that Winovich or Gary offered or constituted play from the offensive line of, of opposition. So I don't see as consistent like playmaking ability from the defensive line across the board, but defensive end isn't a weakness like the interior defensive line is. Defensive tackle position needs to show more. So by far, that's the scariest part, and Wisconsin is the team that would take advantage of that. So that's definitely where you're going to learn a lot about this defense. First two games, I feel like we we learned a little bit. Middle Tennessee State learned only about the defensive line against Army, and then Wisconsin is the benchmark that I'm drawing of how well we'll do this season. If they can hold up against them, against that run game, you're going to be fine. If you can't, then buckle up. So, uh, and, and the biggest play of the game, real quick, from Army was that uh, that five yard. I think it was third and two near the goal line. That five yard false start penalty that they decided to pass. Like that was the play of the game. So great, great for Levert Hill to find his hands after the Middle Tennessee State, uh, you know, fumble and missed pick six opportunity he had. So it was great for him to get that pick, save the game. But, man. So, yeah, defense is fine. They they played well, I would even say, against Army. Uh, but lots to prove uh, interior defensive line, as you said. This team, I agree. I, I agree. That was a very, very good analysis, very good breakdown. Um, this team, if if we're just going to call it from, from this point on, see what we've seen so far, I... I would see I see at least three losses going forward. I just like I think it might be time to reevaluate expectations and not in a bad way, not in a negative way. I'm a fan of Jim Harbaugh. I'm a fan of the Michigan football program. I don't think you should fire Jim Harbaugh if they go nine and three or even eight and four this year. But looking at this team, it's supposed to be the year because Urban Meyer just left Ohio State. It's supposed to be the year because Shea Patterson is a fourth-year starting quarterback. It's supposed to be the year because all of our rivals are are coming to Ann Arbor this year. However, the offensive line does not look ready, and that might be due to injury, so we'll have to see. That's a big question mark. And the defensive line is just missing people. I just, I mean, I, it kills me that Aubrey Solomon transferred to Tennessee <laughs> because we could re- we could really 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 use yeah. it I mean he like, would have been huge for this team I don't huge. so like those and you know what championships are won on the line yeah they're won on the line and both lines look questionable and even when all the skill positions on offense and defense look ready to be dominant you can't win. Yeah. You can't win without dominant lines on either side of the ball, and Michigan doesn't have that on either side of the ball right now. It, yep. it just feels like an incomplete team. So, yep. so with an incomplete team and a fourth-year starting quarterback who is currently playing like a true freshman, that's that's a recipe for an eight and four, nine and three season. Yep. Things can it, definitely change, but that's what I'm feeling like right now. Yep. I, I think defense is more known than the offense i think if if and i think going into wisconsin looking at the defensive line see how they perform on top of that how quick can the offense really just form an identity like get a get a handle on it how quick can josh gaddis adjust you know there's obviously adjustment period in the season that he hasn't had to encounter yet being the lead offensive coordinator 
How quick does he adjust, get ready for Wisconsin? Those two things and, and their performance against Wisconsin will determine whether I'm thinking of like an 11 and one season or like you said, nine and three, eight and four season. I think everything that we need to learn to make that like more accurate prediction will come against Wisconsin. And it's, it's scary. (laughs) Like it's, it's, it's here. Like you you got the bye week and then afterwards there's literally no excuses. You can have excuses against army, uh, even against middle Tennessee state, you know, it's early in the season after a bye week, you have no excuses, man. You are who you are by week four after a bye week. There is nothing else you can say. Yeah, that's, that's very fair and very true. So we're, we're going to learn a lot the next few weeks. Yep. Uh, who knows? I mean, Wisconsin has outscored their opponent like 121 to nothing over the first two weeks of the season. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, Penn State has outscored their opponents, you know, you know, 130, 140 to like 10. Um, Ohio State has outscored their opponents like 100 to maybe 10, 14. And Maryland has demolished everything. <laughs> Maryland has put up 100 points to their opponents, like 20 points, 30 points total. And we beat Army 24 to 21 in double overtime. I mean, yeah. it's it's real. It's it's not looking amazing right now. And I just think it's an incomplete. It might be an incomplete team for nobody's fault other than it's just the way it's happened. Um, so we'll see. Well, maybe maybe I'll come out of it being more positive in the next week or so. Give me a few more days. I got I got to restock my Kool Aid. I think yeah. the baby drank it all over the past week. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I to to finish up. I'm here for it. I love college football. How however Michigan does, I love it. You know, just watch the the Colorado Nebraska game, man. That was wild. It was wild. They had, they had a flea flicker. Colorado had a 96-yard flea flicker. Yeah, on the four-yard line. On who, the four-yard line. that? They who flea flicked. That? They flicked the flea <laughs> into the end zone. The running back tossed it back to the quarterback while he's yep. standing in the end zone. He when chucks I saw the ball. That, I was like, I, they're going to win this game. You do that, you're going to win Haymaker. And then the very next play from last scrimmage, Nebraska breaks off a 75-yard swing yeah. pass touchdown. It was great. Yeah. Colorado-Nebraska is sneaky, one of my favorite like 50-50 neutral games where I don't care who wins. I just love watching yeah. it. They, they have the best color. I love the color scheme between those two schools. Um, it's a fun game. So the pageantry yeah. of college ball is he- what I'm here for, man. I'm here for it. It's a beautiful game. I, I love watching Michigan play. I love when Michigan wins. I prefer that. Yes. I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride this ride even if we lose Ohio State 18 of 19 years or however many years it's been. That's uh, don't say that. You got to knock on wood after that, man. Uh, oh, I'll do it for you. I meant before this year. You know, before, <laughs> there you I go. I mean the current <laughs> history. I mean, like, exactly. Like how many we've exactly. lost before. All right, Stephen, yes. what would you like to end the night on, man? Um, whew. just, just take it easy. Take a breath. Just everyone, let's take take a collective breath. I've been getting into yoga the past past few weeks. All right, stretchy just in, Steve. Just you know, get into your breath. Take a break. Take just relax, relax. Like like David said, it's it's football. We're here for it. You spend eight months getting ready for it. It's too it's too much fun to be just mad about it. So, so as frustrating as it can be, we won the game. Won the game, be happy that that it was a win and and we'll, we'll move on. You know, my parents their form of punishment, they didn't they didn't believe in grounding me. They didn't believe in hitting me. The most effective form of punishment they found was being disappointed in me. Exactly, man. That's what it. it was. And, and right now, I'm I'm just disappointed in the way Michigan's playing football. That's a uh, that's kind of how I feel. And I'll say this, and then you can have the last words of the podcast. If you have a four-year starting quarterback playing like a true freshman, maybe it's time to let the redshirt sophomore see the field. I think that said it, man. That that's an ender. I, I don't have anything beyond that. Yep. I, I can't disagree with you. I mean I mean I, I ho- if Shea comes out and plays Dynamite against Wisconsin, I won't be shocked. Won't yes. be shocked. But the mental errors have to be done. They gotta be done. It, it's inexcusable. Just inexcusable. There, there, there's a lot to be addressed. There's a lot to be addressed from multiple fronts. And quarterback is is not uh impervious, is that the right word? Is not immune to that sort of criticism. I think it's fair. I think it there's a lot of self uh 
self-reflection needed within the program right now to to correct the wrongs at this point. All right, Stephen Ostentoski. You can find him on Twitter at Stephen Toski. Find you got me, it. Find me on Twitter at David Arnold MI. Find the MGO Fish podcast, Garrett Fishaw's website, MGOFish.com, on Twitter at MGOFish. Until next time, guys, uh, we'll have another episode this week. Probably me and Steven, no preview episode. I, I had planned to do a preview episode with with an Army reporter last week. Then um, a baby had to come yeah, and so interrupt your plans. I, I had to DM him on Twitter and be like, hey, can't do the podcast right now. Uh, my wife is currently giving birth right now. You know, a better excuse <laughs> than, than my dog eating the homework. That's pretty much the best excuse. Yeah. <laughs> So anyways, till next time, Stephen, go blue. Go blue, man.